This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts of the Neighborhood Podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabra. Kevin Valentin. Let's get it popping, Kyle. We got a lot to talk about today. What's going on? Yes, sir. So if you guys don't know at this point, we will go over the Dak Prescott news. So he signed a four-year, $160 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. So now he is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys from this point forward. We'll obviously get into that in a little bit. After that, we'll talk about the NBA All-Star festivities that took place over this weekend. We'll dive into that for a little bit, and then we'll wrap up the episode with some free agent news in the NBA. We'll talk a little bit about Blake Griffin, uh, Blake Griffin, excuse me, signing for the Brooklyn Nets this past weekend, and we'll also talk a little bit about the rumors that are circulating around Andre Drummond and a possible buyout situation to where he could maybe end up on the Los Angeles Lakers, but we'll get into that later. First, let's go over the Dak Prescott news. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the video, we've got Dak Prescott signing a four-year, $160 million contract. He will be the Cowboys quarterback moving forward. Kev, let me just get your initial reaction off the news of Dak signing with the Cowboys. So, I mean, um, like we discussed a couple of times over the last couple of months, we knew it was coming. It was going to be this deal coming to fruition, or it was going to be another tag in which Dak had vividly expressed he didn't want to do another tag. He wanted to get this deal done. Obviously, we know Dallas has been putting this off for a couple of seasons. So, I mean, when I saw the news kind of drop down while I was on the phone with Isabel, uh, I was like, oh, boy, let's see what Jerry gave him. You know, let's see what Dak's camp mm-hmm. kind of got. And then I read the numbers, and I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> wait a minute, to quote Kevin Hart. Like, wait a minute, 160 over four. So in looking at the makeup of the contract, the deal has a maximum value of $164 million, mm-hmm. including $126 million guaranteed. Yep. And it includes a no-trade clause and a no-tag provision pending, you know, that the contract runs out. So over the next three seasons, Dak's making $42 million with a $75 million season in the first year and a $66 million signing bonus included in there. Mm-hmm. Let's, just, let's just do the math. Quarterbacks of top-tier caliber money that are getting paid this. He's basically the second highest paid quarterback in football behind Patrick Mahomes yearly. Yep. Dak Prescott is not the second best quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So we're, I'm, I'm literally looking at it. I'm looking at the breakdown of it and I'm just saying he's valuable. He is very well above average. He clearly is the guy for Dallas and for Jerry Jones, but 
This is what happens when Dallas foregoed their opportunity to sign him in the past. The price went up. Pat got paid. Deshaun got paid. So Dax camp, like we talked about the last two episodes, it, it was it was due. He was due up. And I, I, and like we discussed right before the episode, I, I truly believe this was kind of a, a, a makeup for, for Dallas not signing him. I mean, $75 in the first year of the contract alone is absolutely insane. It, it's more than Pat's getting paid in a year, like $75 million in for one year, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like, it's like, like I said, we talked about it. It's like Dallas kind of saying, Hey, we fucked up. We didn't pay you when we should have. Let's let's, let's kind of put this towards the front of the contract. Let's pay you this big amount of money. Cause we didn't, we didn't get you last year. And I, I, I don't know. I'm happy. He got his money. I'm happy after that gruesome injury, Dak has something to build off of, be positive about. He's finally got a secure financial stability. Not that $33 million of a franchise tag. The last season was, I don't know, insecure. I would love to see a, a, a tiny piece of that contract at some time in life but um again like i said i'm happy for him but i'm definitely concerned because if he got this now we know it's a domino effect once again with upcoming quarterbacks what's lamar gonna get paid yep. and so on and so on and so on so the market just keeps blowing out of proportion and, and and i really think that uh i think pat mahomes kind of screwed everybody in terms of you know having cap space for a team that has a franchise quarterback yeah I, I look at this deal as kind of like, all right, it finally happened. It just seemed like I, it just, it couldn't seem like to me that they were going to kick the can down the road another year. If they were just going to franchise tag him again, just, I was actually kind of surprised at the progression of this deal getting done today. Because I remember I sent you a tweet probably earlier this afternoon where there had been some progress made between Dallas's front office and Dak on a possible deal. And then literally just a few couple, a couple hours later, you got Dak signing this four year, $160 million contract. Like you mentioned, he's getting a $66 million signing bonus over $120 million guaranteed. So for Dak personally, this is a great contract for him. He finally has that security long-term that he's been really looking for the last couple of years. Now, with that said, I remember I mentioned a couple of days ago that, if it were up to me, I'd pay Dak probably somewhere around like $35 million a year. I mean, just if you look at the average of the contract, Dallas is going to probably pay him around 40. And then if you throw in the, the extra 4 million at the end, it's like 41. But I mean, with that said though, I think Dallas fans can kind of at least have a little bit of a sigh of relief that Dak is locked up at least for the next four years, instead of having, you know, a possible carousel at the quarterback position, if the Cowboys front office and Dak weren't able to come to a deal. Now the long-term ramifications for the Cowboys is okay. They have Dak locked up. Now what can they do with the defense? Because the defense has been a nightmarish situation for the last few years. They have statistically one of the worst defenses in NFL history. And can they be able to remedy that problem going into next season? Now that they have Dak, signed for the next four years that's going to be the major thing moving forward specifically with the cowboys like you mentioned you, you actually kind of stole the uh, the point that i was going to make about with Dak signing his deal now how does this move the quarterback market for young and upcoming quarterbacks that are looking to get their their second contract after their rookie deal is done so obviously the next quarterback that you're probably going to be looking at is lamar jackson within 
I'd say either a couple next, of weeks. Yeah. Within the next couple of weeks, maybe a month or two from now, we'll kind of see how, how those dominoes fall. But I mean, just to kind of wrap up my take on this, I'm glad that they were able to work out this deal between Dak and the Cowboys. It's really kind of been a long time coming. And I mean, to me, it basically ensures that the Cowboys may be the best team in the division right now. I know the NFC East is nothing really to, there's not much to say about that division since it's basically just a dumpster fire, but it basically ensures that Dak's the best quarterback in the division moving forward. So my final take on this um, is just the, the, the sheer fact that I need the audience to comprehend. When you give one player this much money, you're taking away from literally every aspect of your team that you need. 75 million in one shot basically takes away everything you just said in terms of signing or adding anybody on the defensive side outside of the NFL draft because Dallas is going to basically have no money and they're going to be what about what do we do the math about 20 to 25 million dollars over the cap this year? I would think so. So you're already over the luxury. You already have players like Ezekiel Elliott and some of your offensive linemen that were under contract for the last two to three years that you still have to pay out. You still have to pay out some of the people on your defensive side of the ball, like Sean Lee, like Jalen Smith, and so on and so forth. And you're really looking at, okay, Dallas got their quarterback, but their defense is about to literally be the same or get worse because you're going to have to cut people. Mm -hmm. Well, he sucked last year at middle linebacker, or he was a bad corner, or he didn't really get a lot of reps at defensive end, so we're going to let him go. So you got to bring new people into a system for cheap that don't have much experience or veterans that are willing to take a pay cut to come play in Dallas. Now, what does that do? That literally ties your hands and your feet. And you got to pray that Dak basically throws for five to 6,000 yards at 50 to 60 touchdowns. And the offense average is 35 to 40 a week in the NFC East. That might be reasonable, maybe not against Washington, but overall, are you really telling me that, that, You've just basically put your whole future on one player. Dak is great, like I said, but he isn't a Patrick Mahomes. Your Mm -hmm. offense is relatively dynamic to a certain extent. Your offensive line is aging. Just four years ago, we were talking about Dallas having one of the greatest offensive line in history, and their offensive line was absolutely injury-prone pretty much all last season. So we're kind of looking at this now saying Dak's getting paid. He's got CD. Amari got paid. Zeke got paid. You got – who was that other Michael Gallup? He's going to be due up for a payday soon. So their offense is, is there, but their defense is relatively the exact same, if not worse. So they might win the division, but going forward, they pretty much just bet their whole future or their win now situation on one player. And that, was that just the, does not seem feasible. That was the point that I was kind of thinking about just like the impact and the significance of this deal getting done is look, I remember even when, even in the games that Dak was in last year, they were all high scoring games and they weren't necessarily against the toughest competition either. I remember they were playing the Atlanta Falcons last year. If it wasn't for an egregious offside, not offside onside kick where basically Atlanta just kind of like let the ball go 10 yards before they actually touched it. And Dallas ended up getting the ball. I believe they won on a game winning field goal, 40 to 39. Yeah. Granted Dallas got the win against Atlanta in that specific instance but the defense gave up 39 points and that's going to be the major issue with this team moving forward is that this team is going to be so reliant on what the offense is able to produce. And look, I don't want to be too down on Dak Prescott. It's a major day. It's a big day for him. Oh, a hundred percent. Nothing to take away from his camp, but great deal, but it's, 
look, he's an inconsistent quarterback. He has his highs are great, but when he's inconsistent, he's he looks like a a mediocre quarterback. It just that's the thing that they're going to have to be able to work this out over time. Is that they need Dak to be on all the time. They need him to basically put up MVP type numbers for this deal that he just got. So I think with the Cowboys moving forward, I think they're still going to be probably the best team to come out of the division, but at what cost they gave Dak that boatload of money today, but defensively, I don't see them improving anytime soon unless they, they switch defensive coordinators and they bring in a new system because I mean, look, you can bring new players into the system, but if the system is not working to the way it's supposed to, you're going to see exactly what happened last year where that defense is going to give up 30 to 35 points a game. They're going to give up over 350 to 400 yards a game against not even the best offenses, against just your typical run-of-the-mill average offenses. So, like I said, great day for Dak, but for the Cowboys long-term, now they got to focus on the defense because the defense is the most glaring weakness of this team. Big time. So... With that said, we'll transition into the all-star festivities that took place this weekend. Now, just a couple weeks ago, the idea of an all-star game was up in question. And you had players publicly saying that they didn't really think that having the all-star game in Atlanta this year in, this year would be the safest thing to do. But the NBA was able to get the situation in Atlanta ready for the all-star game. And they were able to hold all of the contests this weekend, including the skills competition, the three-point contest, the dunk contest, and the all-star game itself. So, Kev, let me just get your initial take on what you thought that the all-star game was this weekend or just the all-star festivities that took place in Atlanta this weekend was. This is how authentic I'm going to be live. Who won the skills challenge? I believe it was Sabonis. Woo. I d- Yay. Like this. That's my mood for this, this, this whole shindig of an all-star situation. I mean, the skills challenge has never really been that much of an entertaining game for me, to be honest. That's always been kind of a, less out of a dud, like a warm up kind of for the three-point shooter and obviously the thing I enjoy along with a lot of other people and yourself included being the dunk contest Steph breaking the three the three-point three-point shootout record in the first round shocker he's not like the greatest shooter of all time wow and then obviously the dunk contest I don't even know the kid's name the guy that won from Portland in his failed attempt to, to, to kiss the rim failed and then ended up winning it anyway so we, we had a, a two-way player and Cautious Stanley, OB Toppin, a rookie, and then we had this kid from Portland. Three players. No one knows who the hell they are. I, I only know Cautious because – or Cautious, however you pronounce his name, because he played at Duke and because he made some clutch shots against UNC in his matchups the previous year. And obviously I, I barely know Obi because most of my timeline on Twitter and Instagram are Nick fans. So, of course, I got Nick stuff all over the place. But other than that, we're, we're talking about probably one of the worst all-star festivities in, the, in, in, in history. COVID aside, audience aside, it, performance just it wasn't anything big. The game itself, I didn't even watch it. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw highlights. I saw 
you know, little tippets of like live streams of people watching it. And like, I mean, barely anybody, but, you know, scrolling through Instagram and Twitter of some people putting up some things. But first off, the game ended in three quarters because they hit the point cap of 170 points. I think that needs to go away. Like I was all for it last year in terms of, you know, the two and the 24 and then, you know, the, the charity and the winner and Gianna and Kobe RIP to them both. But like this process going forward is absolutely ridiculous. We're talking about we're, we're at a point now where NBA offenses are at the highest peak that they've ever been. And we got Damian Lillard and Steph pulling from from fucking half court every other shot and making like 30% or 40% of those shots, you're mm-hmm. telling me that these games aren't going to end relatively quickly? 170 points in three quarters? Come on, man. I, I, I think I it's think it, was, it was four. I, I, thought, I thought it ended before the fourth because I thought somebody said that if it ended before the fourth that there was an extra payout. Like there was just – there was more money donated or something like that. I could be wrong, but I could have uh, swore it, I heard that. It, it was in four quarters. Once it got to the fourth quarter, the, the number to hit was 170. So I, because there's, I, no, I'm, I'm, there, there's no way that the, that LeBron's team scored 70 points in the third quarter. There's no way they scored a hundred in the first half. Okay. We know some NFL, we know some NBA teams that put up like 55 points in a quarter, like historic quarters. You're telling me you don't think it's possible for a star studded blowout team that was team LeBron to put 70 with no defense. I'm just basing it off the first half. The first half, the team LeBron scored 100 points, but and you don't think with Lillard and, and Curry but, pulling, <laughs> but they scored 40, like they scored like 40, 45 in the first quarter, and then they scored like, oh god, like damn, uh, damn near, yeah. yeah, damn near 60. I mean, I think it was, I, th- I think it was 55. I think it was 55 that they scored in the second half, in, in the in the second quarter. Excuse me. I just, I, I, I think we need to go back to East versus West. I, I think, well, yeah, you were right. It's four quarters. Um, they scored 60 points in the second quarter. Uh, they scored 24 in the fourth, so it ended relatively quickly. But in general, we need to go back to east and west. We need to stop with the score limit garbage. We need to just let these players play out. And, I, I, bro, I'm, I, I know I've been saying it for years well before the podcast. Can we play some fucking defense in the fourth, please? Can we, you give us something to watch? I want to see Braun and KD go shot for shot. I want to see Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic be aggressive in the fourth. I want to see... Chris Paul be a pest and try to get some steals in the fourth quarter. Like the all-star game has just changed so drastically. It's just become an absolute like ridiculous form of just entertainment to, to a bare minimum. There's no defense played in it. You just got people chucking up shots, throwing alley-oops to a certain extent. It's fun at the beginning, but like I said, late in the third or in the fourth quarter, I want to see the best of the best be the best of the best. I don't want to see these trick shots or one foot fadeaway three pointers. I want, I want someone to to, to, to punch a shot into the audience. I want to see somebody pull up a contested shot, hit an N one and get excited. I, again, it's all for charity and it's, it's, it's a leisurely game because it's supposed to be relaxing, but the all-star game growing up for us used to be so exciting to watch. These games would go till 11, 1130 at night coming down to the wire in some mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just, it, it, it's just, I, I just, I don't find it entertaining anymore. I've seen it a hundred times over the course of the last five years. I think we need to get rid of the skills challenge. I think we need to put some form of a king of the court, uh, best of one-on-one situation, a, a two-on-two tournament, something of that caliber to get ratings back because the All-Star game ended early. Nobody really cared for the dunk contest because it sucked. The skills challenge, like I said, never really got that many views. So the NBA is dwindling in terms of revenue and views and you know total, total, total contracts with, with, with uh, TV stations. 
but you still continue to put out the same crap. So I'm just, I'm completely over All-Star Weekend until they ramp this shit up because it, it's just it's just boring. It's not entertaining anymore. I used to get excited for the dunk contest growing up, but now it's like it's people doing the same shit or it, it's, it's people that just don't want to partake. We talked about it a, a couple of days ago, if not yesterday. We got superstars in layup lines throwing down some of the craziest dunks we've ever seen, but their egos are too big and they don't want to partake in the dunk contest for an hour or 35 minutes. I just... I don't know. I, I think it's stupid. And it, it, it just, I think we need to change the whole process, man. Adam Silver and the NBA, you know, officials and executives need to rethink this because if this happens again next year, the NBA is going to be in big trouble. Yeah. I'll give the NBA just a little bit of credit for being able to hold the all-star game weekend this year, just because that had been in yeah, question okay. just to kind of get yeah. the, the positives out of the way, because listen, I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you guys. I watched the first half of the all-star game. I watched the dunk contest after that. And mind you, I was watching the game on my laptop. And after the dunk contest ended, when uh, Afrony, the guy from Portland won. Afrony. I fell asleep. I fell asleep because it was boring. It was basically what you saw last night was just a charity game. It's not, it's not an all-star game. It's just a charity game, which just glorified superstars out there going out there at 75%. There's no intensity. Not even. There's not no hustle. Even. It's just, they're, they're, it's a casual jog. And basically those guys are just going out there for charity, for their own charities. Um, I think team LeBron had their own charity. Had they won in any of the quarters that they played uh, team Durant was the same thing, but it's just, it's not that fun anymore. It's, it's gotten stale. It's gotten to the point where it's just archaic and they, like you said, they need to revamp, I think, certain aspects of the All-Star, not just the All-Star game itself, but the entire weekend. I think having like a one-on-one contest or maybe like a 2v2 contest would at least switch some things up a little bit just to kind of make it a little bit more enticing. But I don't see really anything changing in the near future when it comes to these All-Star game festivities. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I know the All-Star game and the All-Star skills challenge the three-point contest that was all going on this weekend to be honest with you guys i could care less about that stuff just because it's the same thing over and over again and it's all followed up at the end by an all-star game where there's no there's no intensity in those games i mean outside of last year that was the only game that i can vividly remember where there was actual defense being played in the game at the end when it mattered but before then, people were having issues with the All-Star break then. And look, I know these guys publicly didn't want an All-Star game this weekend, but I didn't see them really complaining about being out there giving 50 to 75% effort on the court for two, three hours at the most. So at this point, as a fan, I'm not really excited about what the NBA is putting out for a product on these all-star game weekends anymore, unless they switch things up in the near future, which I just don't see anytime soon. I'm overall, I'm hundred percent with you. I'm largely disappointed in what the NBA had for the all-star game to offer this year. I'm, I'm I will say this just to be somewhat positive. I'm glad they were able to hold something, but what they put out there, I don't think it was worth it. 
I know I saw Stephen A. Smith and the guys over on first take, they were saying that at least it was decent to at least see something be played. He was talking a lot about Damian Lillard and Steph Curry chucking 30, 40 foot shots and knocking them down. But it's like, it gets old. It gets old, it gets stale, and it just, it got boring for me. And I fell asleep even before the third quarter started, just because that's how boring that this all-star game was. It's like, I knew what was going to happen. Those guys are going to half-ass it the entire night. And Dame's going to hit a 40-foot shot to end it. Whoopty. Like, whoopty yeah, it's just That's I, how I, I see mean, it. I mean, I don't have words because it's just, it's just repetitive. I'll just make one last point. Giannis winning the All-Star Game MVP, the Kobe Bryant Award, um, I think was stupid. He went 16 for 16. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. He did make three threes, but 13 of those shots were in the paint dunks or wide open, you know, alley-oops. So basically you made nine relatively skilled points. Uh, I, I, I think it should have went to Steph Curry. I think Steph was putting on a show. I think Steph did his thing and relatively – you know, relative ease, 22 minutes played. I mean, Giannis had 19, and he had 35, so he was scoring a lot faster. But, I mean, we're talking Steph Curry pulling from half, Steph Curry pulling from deep, Steph doing his thing on the court, you know, laughing assists. You know, the alley-oop that he threw to uh, Chris Paul was kind of cool. But I'm just saying in general, it should have been Steph or or Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard had 32 in 21 minutes, and he was pulling from the freaking logo and behind half court too. So just – just because you score a lot of points doesn't mean you should win it. And just because you dunk it 13 times doesn't mean you should win it. So, you know, the all-star game MVP definitely, I, th- I think, went went to the wrong person. Could honestly care less if you could see MVP, just to be 100% honest It with you. used to be exciting because in the fourth back, again, when we were younger, it was like, all right, like Kobe had 20, like, you know, like Dirk had 18, Tracy McGrady had 25. Like everybody was competing in the end, not only to win, but people wanted to have that heat check moment that, all right, you want to go for, you want to go for 30. I'm gonna go for 35. I'm gonna get the MVP. And you would see Kobe mouth that you would see Shaq competing for it. Like, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that. And it was just fun to have like friendly teammate entertainment competition. Like I want to get it. No, I want to get it. You know what I'm saying? The only really, what's the player that I'm thinking of? Chris Paul was really that he's now the NBA all-star assist leader in history with 128 assists in the all-star game passing magic Johnson. He was really the only pass first player in all-star game history that I've ever seen other than Steve Nash or, or Jason Kidd for that matter. But I mean, dude, when, when a team is hot or like when you have a stack lineup, like team LeBron, you're talking about almost every single MVP candidate on this team. I want, I, I would have loved to see them go back and forth. Obviously bronze on a minute restriction. He's got to keep his body healthy. Nikola Jokic as well. What was this? I think, if I'm reading this right, Luka Doncic led the entire team with minutes played and only had eight and eight. Yeah. Like, I want to see the superstars compete for it. I think in the first half, I saw Luka get one dunk, and that was it. That was the only thing that I saw from Luka. But, but eight, was, eight and three. Yeah, it's just – look, I mean, basically at this point, like when it comes to all-star games, the only thing that's going to be really relevant is the player's overall legacy after they retire and we do these – discussions on where they rank all time i mean that's it's basically what i really think of the all-star game at this point it's really just kind of like all right if you went to the all-star game that means you were probably in the top 15 top 20 players in the league at the time good for you but outside of that i don't really see anything big with the all-star game anymore i just i don't see it it's just just a glorified charity game that's all i see it as 
I just, I literally, I don't know why I missed this. Chris Paul had 16 assists last night. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even, I don't know. I, I thought that was minutes. Six to, wow, that's a against, lot. Against what defense? No, I know, but it's cool to see like all the oops that he throws. Like, like I said, true point guards, they make it fun with the alley oops and the pick and rolls and the no look passes. Like I know you remember when Rondo yeah. and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce were in there and those crazy passes and Kyrie and them boys. But, you know, I'm just saying that. Uh, to see a, a, a player so consistently in the All-Star game, to not really care about scoring and to just make it fun for everybody else. It, it, I love those players. So, I mean, I'll tell you this, though, just to kind of wrap this up. Man, when these ratings come out for the All-Star game, I don't know when they're going to come out. They are going to be bad. They're going to be Awful. really bad. Awful. Awful. So, and that's been the general trend in the NBA the last couple of years. It, not just the All-Star game, but across the board, whether it's the regular season games, whether it's the playoff games, the finals. Across the board, the ratings have been going down, and yet these guys are making more money than ever. Yeah. It just makes me laugh. Like, I would literally rather watch Nick Merckx on Twitch than an NBA All-Star game. That is something I never, ever would have thought I would say in my life, being a sports enthusiast and lover. I like, I, I literally would rather Nick watch Nick Merckx play Warzone or Fortnite, and, and that says a lot coming from me. Yeah, but that but that's the same thing across that's the same thing in the NFL with the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is just is just a joke at this point. So I, they don't even they don't try. Next and the, subject. And the thing is, like just competitively, there's no competitiveness in these games. So that's it's a glorified charity event at this point. That's all I see it as. Base the, the MLB All-Star game is the only actual competitive one because it still takes skill to damn hit a baseball. Yeah. So you still have to relatively try. You're not going to sit there at the plate and not swing. Exactly. But with that said, we'll transition into Blake Griffin signing with the Brooklyn Nets this past weekend. So Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons were able to agree to a buyout. And then very soon after Blake Griffin signed a veteran minimum contract with the Brooklyn Nets for the rest of this year. So Kev, with the addition of Blake Griffin, how does this, shape up for Brooklyn moving forward for the rest of this year? I mean, he's, I mean, you can tell with my face, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited. It's more of a good for them. They need depth. Blake is obviously nowhere near what he used to be in the beginning ladder of his career. And obviously within the last couple of years, he has been very injury prone. So, I mean, Brooklyn got a steal for the potential. It's a high, it's a low risk, high reward situation. Blake has to come off the bench because you're not starting him over Kyrie. You're not starting him over KD, Harden, Joe Harris, or DeAndre Jordan, unless you're going small ball for a specific team. But even at that, Blake being 6'9", that means you play KD at the five. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those awkward situations of, like, he does help because he brings a veteran leadership to the locker room. He brings some form of a scoring dynamic. I don't know how to word it because – He's not what he used to be in terms of a, a dunker, a highlight reel. He's not somebody that has a, a playbook of post moves, so to speak. You know, like he's just somebody now that has accepted he is getting older. He's towards the back of his career. And he's just become a, a relatively average slash mediocre jump shooter. I mean, he's shooting, what, 31% from the three-point line this season, which is a little above average. So, I mean, it's not really that anything crazy. Over the last two seasons, he's averaged maybe 13 and a half points. Last season being 15 points, this season being 12. So it's just, like I said, I, I really don't think it's going to do anything 
of mass importance to make them better, but it does show that Brooklyn is trying to stack the deck in their favor to at least have some form of depth come postseason time. I'm with you on this one. I think this move was largely just for depth. I think the name gets a lot more recognition than what Blake has actually been putting out on the court the last couple of years, because I saw a bevy number of takes just over the last probably day or so where people are saying, Oh, the, the nets are going to win the finals. I mean, people were saying that even before they signed Blake, I mean, the situation really hasn't changed that much in my mind. Brooklyn is still probably the favorite to come out of the East at this point. And they have a very good shot to win the finals this year with Blake. It really is dependent on whether or not that he could stay healthy or not. And that was the issue that he was dealing with in Detroit for the last couple of years. Does he find a way to revitalize his career in some sense with Brooklyn? Maybe, but it's a, it's a one-year deal. I look at this as basically like a rental until the end of the season. I don't know if Blake's going to be on Brooklyn after this season. Maybe I doubt it, but just the way that I look at things, it definitely adds some depth to their bench just because I don't think they're going to be able to integrate him into that starting five. But if you're Brooklyn, it's a, it's a decent move. If it works out great. If it doesn't, well, at least you tried, at least you try to add some depth to the team. And look, he is a veteran on the team. So it does help some of the younger guys on the team a little bit, but it's an it's an it's an okay move. It's an okay move. It's like eh, it's it's okay. It's it's not it's nothing special. I think the name is what's bringing a lot more attention to what is actually being brought to the Nets in this situation. That's of course it's the hype because when you hear Blake Griffin, your mind any basketball fan should I say any basketball fan's mind goes to the poster on Paul Gasol, Timothy Mozgov, you know the, the Lob City, the Clippers day, the Clippers. And that's just not the case anymore. We all know that Blake is now sadly become somebody who's very ISO happy, somebody who tries to dribble the ball too much more than he should. He's like that guy at LA that finally learns how to use his left and continues to kind of try to create plays by himself. Again, no disrespect. Blake Griffin is still an NBA caliber player and he is going to bring some form of a contribution to Brooklyn, but it's not going to be like a, like a James Harden acquisition, like that trade, a, a top five player caliber impact of a, oh my God, this is win now. Yep. He helps them. He brings some kind of, you know, a different mentality to the team. He brings, you know, points to the game. He can score the basketball still, but it's not a, oh my God, Brooklyn's for sure going to win. So, I mean, like the, the crazy thing to me is not the player itself. It's the situation that he had to go through to get to the Nets. He was still owed $75 million over the course of the last two years in Detroit, Mm -hmm. and they agreed to a $62 million buyout. That is insane. So Blake is getting that whole lump sum right this second, and that's why he was able to sign a vet minimum, if not probably a very small lucrative deal with some incentives to get him to that um, veteran minimum deal. But he's getting that fat check from, from Detroit. And I think that Blake has to understand now, and you know, for those of you that don't understand, since he was bought out, he is now signed with Brooklyn for the remainder of the season and nothing further. So he becomes a free agent after this season. So it's championship or bust for Blake. If he wins, he gets that, you know, elusive ring that he tried so hard to attain over in LA. But afterwards, he's probably just going to continue this bench role. He's hit that point in his career where 
I don't know what competitive team is going to sign him to be a starting player. I mean, if Carmelo Anthony is coming off the bench, Blake Griffin is coming off the bench. You know what I'm saying? So Blake might get a two-year deal or a couple of one-year deals to close out his career, depending on what he decides to do after the season, if or if not Brooklyn wins. But he better enjoy the 65 or $62 million and make it stretch because he ain't going to get a fat payday ever again. I'm with you. I think at this point, obviously we'll see how it goes with Brooklyn. If he, if he plays great. Yeah. Maybe he can get a decent contract next year, maybe a decent one, but it's not going to be as a starter. I'll tell you that. And look, he has a very good chance of becoming the next NBA journeyman where he may bounce around just because his injury history is checkered. He wasn't playing that well with Detroit and dependent on how he, how it goes with Brooklyn. Look, he may be bouncing around the league very shortly. I think the situation with Blake and somebody that you mentioned with Carmelo Anthony, two different scenarios, because I was still of the mindset that Carmelo was still a viable option after his run with OKC. 100%. That whole situation was a terrible, terrible situation the way the NBA handled that. But with Blake, Blake is not a very good shooter from the field. He's primarily... He's he's okay. He's pretty good around the rim, or at least he was when he was playing with the Clippers. But I mean, since he's been on Detroit, it's really just been injuries that have really hindered his career. Don't get me wrong; he, he's got paid well, but he's just really hasn't been able to produce that much in the last couple of years. And I, I'm going to hedge my bets on him being decent for Brooklyn, but I don't see him going, you know, 15 and 10 off the bench. I don't see that. I could maybe 15, see five, fifteen, six, maybe, I, maybe. I could maybe see him scoring like, I don't know, ten to thirteen points a game. It just depends. It's dependent on That's how what he's doing use. right now. His field goal percentage is atrocious. The last two years, last yeah. year thirty five percent from the field, thirty six percent this year. Buddha. Yeah. So. Booty. That's kind of like why I mentioned he could be that that next guy on the NBA journeyman path at this point. And at this point. It kind of looks like that, dependent on how it goes with Brooklyn. But obviously, we'll see how it goes. But look, they do add Blake Griffin. Could you see a flashback of the Clippers days? Maybe, but I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, we got another player here that's probably going to make a a way bigger impact than Blake Griffin, and that's Andre Drummond. We still have the circulation of rumors that Andre Drummond's contract buyout is inevitable due to the lack of suitors for trade destinations for Drummond, obviously the asking price from Cleveland is probably going to be upwards of a pick and some capital in terms of players. So I feel that the only option, and I believe most reporters are stating that the only option that Andre Drummond has is to agree to a buyout and sign with a team to compete for the rest of the season. As of right now, the Lakers are favored to sign him if the buyout were to happen. But obviously we do not know what is going to actually transpire. I know that Dallas was interested in a number of other teams. Brooklyn was leading the way, but Brooklyn obviously decided to go with Blake Griffin because he was available immediately. So, I mean, I got to ask you, uh, do you truly believe that LA is the only team out there, uh, the, the only team that he would reasonably go to, or is a dark horse like a Dallas Mavericks or a Portland team kind of like sitting in the back burner saying, if the right offer is made, he would gladly go to another team. Both of those teams are competitive in the West. They're just not the Lakers. So what do you think? It depends on what Andre Drummond wants. If he wants to get paid, he'll sign a deal, but I doubt it. He'll sign He'll sign a deal during this offseason. And I think for Drummond, if he wants to get a title this year and maximize his value as much as possible, 
he goes to LA, joins up with LeBron and AD, and gives it a shot for a title run this year. That's how I kind of see it because we talked about Blake Griffin for a little bit, and we mentioned the fact that he might be on the that journeyman path very soon. Andre Drummond is still fairly young. I believe if I remember right, he's only 26, 27 years old. So he still has some prime years. He's yeah, 27. He's got prime years left in his career, probably at least three or four good years left in the league. And if he could be able to produce pretty solid for the Lakers or wherever he ends up going, if he actually gets bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers, he could be looking at a major payday here. I don't know if it's going to be a supermax contract, but he could definitely get a solid contract for at least probably three to four years where he, he might make an average of what he was making with Cleveland, which is around 25 to 30 million a year. I could definitely see that. And if he plays, if, I think it's all dependent on what he wants for this year, because obviously Cleveland is pretty much out of the situation at this point. And I think, why not go for a title? Make it happen. If you get a title, you're going to maximize your value. And if you play really well, yeah, you could be looking probably upwards of around $30 million a year if you ball out and do what you need to do. So I I agree completely. I think that more than likely he ends up going to Los Angeles, depending on, you know, like I said, a dark horse team coming out of the woodwork and making him a deal he can't refuse. Um, But in this case, I think Drummond's going to go after that ring. I know that he knows that he's – not the youngest, but he's not the oldest, and he'd rather win while he can. And if he wants to compete with another team next season to try to win again, he can. But, I mean, the opportunity that's in front of him right now, and that's I want to go win a championship right this very moment. And, obviously, the Lakers and Brooklyn are the two favorites to go out and win the championship this year. So, with Brooklyn being out of the mix, I think L.A. signs him. Uh, I think that, you know, Cleveland and, and, and Drummond's camp will come to a some form of an agreement to buy out between any, anywhere from, like, 18 to $22 million. Obviously, they're not going to pay him the full extent of the 28 that he's due this season, but they will give him some form of a, a lump sum because he was playing at a stellar level before they did sit him for the for the season until he was available for trade. Uh, my only comment is, or my only thought would be, after this season, I don't know LA's exact contract situation to say that they would be able to afford him due to the max cap space that they would have available to them because of the signing of LeBron James, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, and so on and so forth. Drummond is definitely somebody that is going to look for a payday again, especially if LA does not win. And I think that Andre Drummond next season will suit him for a Western conference contender. Maybe even Brooklyn will come back into the mix. Maybe he'll go over there or, you know, Boston, some, somebody that needs a traditional and big, big, a big player, a a traditional big, which that's what Andre Drummond is. And I think that uh, Andre Drummond will be on a, on a, on a competitive team next season, which is good because we all know that he's been on, horrible teams pretty much throughout his entire career in Detroit and Cleveland. So it's just a matter of time. So we'll see what happens in that regard. Do you think that he signs like a veteran minimum contract like Blake did with the Nets? Or do you think like, what do you think? Like his this asking, season? Yeah. Because once he gets it has bought to out. be a veteran minimum, it has to be because he's getting that lump sum this season from the piston uh, from the, the, from the Cavs and the Lakers are tied up contractually between, I don't know how many players. I mean, you have Wesley Johnson, Marcus Saul, Carroll, Caldwell Pope, Ron, Wesley AD. Matthews, not Johnson. Wesley Matthews, sorry. But you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of players that they have under contract that they have to pay out this season. So, I mean, if Drummond wants to be picky, then he might not go to L.A. I, I'm pretty sure it's a to, to go to the Lakers, it's a um, 
a vet minimum deal or, or, or don't come here. They do not have enough capital to go and negotiate with him to go and sign him to something crazy. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the way you basically already said it, but this is essentially just a rental for the rest of the year. That's oh, yeah. basically what Great the Lakers time. would be looking at if they were actually able to get him. And it is really just dependent on whether or not he gets bought out from the Cavs. And it does, tra- it does look to be trending that way just because some sources around the NBA are basically thinking that the Cavs aren't going to be able to work out some sort of trade package that would move Andre Drummond to a new team within the next couple of weeks. No, they want too much. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I mean, when he played for the Cavs, though, he was putting up solid numbers. He was playing. He was doing great. So, even when he was with Detroit, like you mentioned, he played very well for them. So, whoever ends up picking it up, ends up picking him up, whether it's the Lakers or somebody else, they're getting a viable bag here. And I think the Lakers, I think they may just have to go do it just to go tit for tat for Brooklyn. And I think, honestly, if that were to happen, if the, if Andre goes to the Lakers, I think it's a much bigger and a much better move than Blake signing with the with the Nets. My thing is, with this whole situation, why was Brooklyn so impatient? This buyout is going to happen inevitably, God willing, this week, at least in my opinion, just because – the trade deadline's coming, um, you know, free agency. I mean, not free agency. Uh, that that cutoff of players being eligible to sign and clear waivers is coming off. And Drummond wants to play basketball. He hasn't played in about two weeks either. So I'm pretty sure that he wants to get back on the court as soon as possible and get this whole thing over with. So it's like, was Brooklyn not willing to wait? Was there something behind the scenes that maybe Andre, if he were to get bought out, was going to ask them for too much? Because it to me – there's no reason why you don't wait if a better player is available. Because I think that the attraction of Kyrie, KD, and Harden would be a lot more appealing than a LeBron-less AD situation over in LA. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, three mega superstars over just LeBron James right now, because we don't know how long Anthony Davis is going to be able to play, makes a lot more sense. And he for sure starts over DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just like, I don't know what's going to, that's why I keep mentioning the dark horse because I feel like there had to have been some form of, 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 of a friction for Brooklyn not being able to say, all right, let's just hold off and see what happens. We just said Blake isn't something of a, we need to sign him now before somebody else. Blake isn't somebody that was a, a must sign right this second. Well, there were suitors for Blake Griffin and I was reading reports earlier that, that said that LA was interested in Blake Griffin if he was available in the buyout market. And I think Brooklyn may have just went with the situation of, look, we have a former um, all-star player in Blake Griffin available at our disposal. And all we got to do is sign him for a vet minimum. I think it was more of a case that, look, he's out there. Maybe they didn't want to, maybe they just didn't want to wait around. Like you mentioned for Andre Drummond and look, maybe Andre Drummond is already leaning to go somewhere else other than Brooklyn. I don't necessarily know, you know, what's behind the curtain when it comes to Andre's situation. But maybe maybe the Nets just kind of settled with Blake Griffin. I don't know. I, That's I think, what I'm thinking. I think Andre is a better fit for that team because it at least gives them a solid front court with DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond. But they went with Blake instead. And if the Lakers end up getting Andre Drummond, I like that matchup if they possibly end up in the finals uh, in the Lakers and the Nets, just because I think Andre Drummond is a far more viable piece at this point than Blake. 
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, he he matches up perfectly with DeAndre Jordan if it were to be that inevitable matchup. I think that he is somebody you have to prepare more more for than a DeAndre uh, DeAndre Jordan. I, uh, this is a terrible enunciation situation right now with DeAndre Jordan and Andre, Andre Drummond. Drum- oh my God. Yeah. Man. So I'm just going to make it quick. Um, if it does end up happening where Drummond goes to the Lakers and obviously, you know, Blake is in uh, Brooklyn, I think that that matchup does eventually happen. And I think that LA still has more firepower or not firepower. I think LA just has more favorable matchups on the offensive end. I mean, you, you can't guard Braun. You uh, you can't necessarily guard Anthony Davis. Andre Drummond is going to find a way to bully uh, DeAndre Jordan just because he is younger. He is a better rebounder, in my opinion. It's just a matter of can KCP find a way to contain um, uh, Harden? Can who's the point guard for the Lakers right now? Holy sh- Dennis Schroeder. Can he find a way to hold Kyrie? It's going to be a good finals if it were to come to fruition. But I do think that L.A. still squeaks it out because they do have LeBron James. Yeah, but they're going to have to find a way to stop KD. I mean, look, those guys on the Nets with KD, Harden, and Kyrie, I mean, look, they're going to score 120, 125 points plus. So, yeah, but if you get lazy. Yeah, that's going to be the thing. They're going to be giving up basically the same amount, if not more. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. There are some other free agents out there that I did want to kind of throw out there really quick. Not free agents, but people that are on the block. Um, for whatever reason, Cleveland is just – they're shopping everything because they don't really give a shit. Um, I saw reports that Larry Nance Jr. might be available. I saw reports that Kevin Love might be available. Obviously, that was the one person we both thought would not get on the trading block because of all the bigs that they had and someone that was locked down to a big extension this uh, couple years past, a couple years ago. So, I mean, there were some rumors. Of course, I follow the Dallas Mavericks beat reporters and, you know, a lot of speculation and rumors as well. And Dallas seems to be interested in both. Obviously, the more affordable person would be Larry Nance Jr., but Kevin Love is the better player. How much are we willing to absorb? Is it going to, what, what do we have to give up? But with just those two names, just throwing it at you on the spot, like where do you think those two would best fit in a contending team on either, in either, in either conference? Well, if I had to look at Kevin Love, for example, I would like to see him on a team that is a little bit younger, just so if Kevin Love were to end up on, I'll, I'll use your team. I'll use the Mavericks, for example. If you were to go to the Mavericks, you put Kevin Love on that team, it adds a great locker room presence. Now, Kevin Love is still putting up decent numbers. Obviously, it's nowhere near what he was putting up when he was with Minnesota and even some of the numbers that he had with Cleveland when LeBron and Kyrie were there. But you get a solid player. You get a great locker room presence. And to teach the young guys like Luka and Kristaps some nuances to the game, I think that definitely helps Dallas a little bit. I mean, just thinking of like some other teams across the board, though, I could maybe see Kevin Love maybe on Boston. I don't know if they'd be able to work that out just because I, I don't know why. I think Kevin Love would actually be like a decent fit with Boston just because of his passing ability. So just to have not only you have Kemba as, as a solid passing option as the point guard, you got Kevin Love as another great passing option as well. So other than that, I, I don't think any other teams – that are like in like the top part of the Western conference are really going to go after him. I think Phoenix is content with what they have. I think, I think golden state is, I mean, maybe could be a team that could pursue 
a possible dark horse. Yeah, yeah you know, pa- Golden State is looking looking at some other people. Pa- I forget who it is. It's another shooting guard. Oh my god! But I, when you mentioned Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love, I would immediately go to Kevin Love first, just because I think he's a better option. And yeah, I mean, look, Cleveland's clearing their books at this point. They're going full rebuild, full rebuild at this point. They're going to stick with Colin Sexton and uh, Jared Allen. And they're going to just build and around Darius Garland. Yeah, so those are going to be the main guys that they're going to build around. I mean, they don't have to deal with uh, what's the guy's name? Was it Kevin Porter Jr., the guy that got cut for throwing food at somebody a couple of months before? And this. he was the G League leading scorer right now that Houston just called up. They cut yeah. him because he's immature, but man, that boy can hoop. Yeah, so I mean, Cleveland's just kind of in full rebuild at this point. With, with Larry Nance, Larry Nance is going to be a solid role player off the bench. I don't He's know not he, really anything special, to be honest, yeah, to me. Yeah, I mean, he can get a couple rebounds, score a couple points. It's pretty much it. But if somebody needs him for depth, I don't even know who would go after him. I mean, point. you can think about the lower-tier Western Conference teams. Uh, like I said, obviously, you got Dallas, you got Golden State, that lob, that, that lob factor from Luka and Steph. You have uh, Portland maybe needing some depth behind Zach Collins and obviously Cantor. Uh, Yerkich is hurt again. Uh, Denver Denver might need somebody to back up Jokic and Paul Millsap having his injury issues. Uh, like you said, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Phoenix is content. The Clippers are, are stacked. Uh, I don't think the Lakers even go near him again. Obviously, they they're focused on their primary location or primary player that is uh, Andre Drummond right now. So I mean, like. Eastern Conference wise, like you said, maybe a Boston, a Milwaukee to add like a little bit of depth at the big, uh, maybe a Knicks kind of team. Another, But then again, the Knicks have Taj. It would be a younger version of a Taj Gibson, but it's just not the same defensive presence. So I, I, I don't know. I think I think Larry would have a big market because there are a lot of people that do need an athletic four slash stretch five. So, I mean, like it's just a matter of who's willing to offer him what or yeah. who's willing to offer Cleveland what. I don't want him. I hope we don't get them. I pray to God. We already have Dwight Powell and Willie Cauley-Stein who are, as of right now, this season, relatively useless. I was really high on Willie coming back and kind of being that defensive anchor in the middle of the paint. But, I mean, he is just not producing like he was the first two or three seasons like he was in in, uh, Sacramento and like he did in college. So I just kind of disappointed with how that kind of turned out. We got Willie for a second-round pick last year. I was so hyped when we got him. Just thinking of a team, I don't think it would ever happen. Um, what about Kevin Love going to the Bulls? I don't I mean, they're better than, yeah, they have Thaddeus Young. I was just kind of thinking of it, but I don't think they're going to trade Kevin Love to just a team that's basically like right next door to them. So Not really. Remember, we looked at the rankings. Uh, Chicago's only like a half game back or a game back of the eighth seed. So, I mean, they're not scrubs. I, I, I know that. I just, I don't know if. Cleveland would be willing to trade Kevin Love like in the same conference. But what would, what would they get back? I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that would make sense. I mean, like, I, I like where you're going with this because it's more of an offensive threat. Thaddeus Young is kind of like more of an all-around player that can score a little bit, can shoot a little bit. Kevin Love's, we all know his his focal point is rebounding, being able to pass, and his ability to shoot the basketball. I think it's Charlotte, but I think Charlotte's content. I wouldn't get it past Michael to go and make a make a big thing. You know, yeah, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, uh, Lamelo Ball, Cody Zeller. I, I think Kevin could be of assistance. That's a very young team. I mean, that's a great veteran in that locker room. I, I, I think that would be a good fit. But what does Charlotte have to give up? Once again, you know that that's going to demand 
a decent amount of players in return. Well, my thing is the situation with, with Drummond and Kevin Love is so – do you think that Kevin Love would actually be traded or do you think he would go through the buyout market like Andre? He can. He can't. They, they can't afford to pay that out. If Andre is going to get paid hypothetically anywhere from 18 to $22 million – again, those are my speculated numbers. It's not anything I read or anybody that reported. I just don't think that they'll pay him 28 fully. Um, Kevin Love's on a max contract extension from two or three years ago, so you'd have to lump some, what, upwards of $50 million up front for two players right now it's basically to get what, nothing in return? I don't think that makes sense. That's basically what Detroit did with Blake Griffin. Yeah, but they're not they're – not, I, I, just, I just don't think – well, Blake hasn't been playing, and then Blake's production has been abysmal, whereas Kevin Love is still somewhat decent. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume just off of my knowledge of Kevin Love and his playing style that he would be better than Blake, even at an older age. But he's been healthier than Blake. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, like you said, Cleveland's kind of just shopping everybody going in full rebuild, rebuild mode. And I'm just curious. You know, there are some valuable pieces out there that are, you know, going to be available the next coming weeks. I know that Pat McAfee said that it's going to be a massacre in the NFL. But who knows? In the coming week or two for the NBA, there might be some big names traded. Yeah, trade deadline's coming up. So, we'll definitely see. I mean, Kev, that's pretty much all that I got here. Is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we wrap this up? Um, I know I didn't touch on it last episode, but I wanted to give a massive shout out to all of the subscribers. We hit over 100 subscribers this past weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody that has been loyal and following, you know, posting and sharing everything. Kyle and I, from the bottom of my hearts, wanted to just, you know, show our appreciation. Um, Like we said last week, uh, the logo is in production. It's going to take some time. Kyle and I's image, we just want to make sure it's perfect for you guys. You know, just something that catches everyone's eye. But we wanted to have a, just kind of like a quick little announcement. Um, within the next coming weeks, we want you guys to kind of like, comment as much as you can. We might hold a little raffle in one of our coming episodes to have a guest speaker on our episode or on our show. We really want to, you know, show you guys how interactive we can be with our audience, whether you're on for the full episode, a segment, you know what I mean, what pretty much of the topic of your choice in sports relevance uh, what you want to talk about. And, you know, you can put Kyle and I on the spot, you know, whatever it is that you guys want to do, we would prepare, but we just wanted to kind of openly invite whoever felt the need to want to be on the episode, you know, like this video up, repost it, kind of do what we used to do back in the day. Shout out for shout out, like on Instagram, like just post us comment on below on the video, whatever you guys feel like doing, just, you know, show us some love and we will gladly have you on our show. For sure. And I'll say, I'll, I'll basically just reiterate what Kevin just mentioned. Definitely appreciate you guys supporting the channel in any way, shape, or form that you can. Kevin and I are going to be doing the best that we can to put out the best content that we can for you guys. Obviously, we've got a long way to go, but we're improving every single time that we get on here. And I know Kevin and I definitely appreciate the time that we get on here and talk about the topics that we just like to talk about, just the current news and the current topics that are going on in the sports world. Kevin and I always enjoy the conversations that we do, and we just appreciate the fact that you guys are going out of your way to support the channel as best as you can just with us shooting the shit about what we love to talk about. Yeah, um, just one last, you know, shout out to my girlfriend. She's doing the logo for us. She is working day in and day out trying to make sure she gets our perfect image out there for us. Uh, Shout out to Dawson, big loyal supporter since I started from the very beginning, you know, big Fred. Um, you know, the list kind of goes on. I'm thinking on the spot here. I just know a lot of people have been showing me a lot of love for this combination, you know, this partnership with Kyle. And they said that we've been doing a lot of good things. Um, but just just you guys in particular from the very beginning, I'm sure Kyle has his loyals from the very beginning as well. 
but you know, we don't want to specifically try to shout out. I can't shout out everybody, but you know, I just, these are the people that are continuously in my DMS and my messages and my mentions telling me to keep it going. Shout out to Danny, Mike, uh, everybody from the Bronx that subscribed. I, I, again, just, you know, much love to everybody. And I really, really, really appreciate it. So Kev, um, what do you think that they can expect from us in the later podcast episode this week? Well, uh, I know we mentioned co- talking about baseball, but with the, you know, the Dak Prescott signing in the all-star game, uh, we obviously kind of like fell back on it. Baseball's kind of still in that, that swing of spring training and, you know, the Yankees, obviously I walked off on last episode getting absolutely annihilated by the Phillies. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that we get equal and opportunic opportunistic, uh, content to be putting out there because we've kind of just been focusing a lot on basketball and football being the biggest subjects of this sports podcast so far. I definitely want to get some baseball in there. Uh, March Madness is coming up. I want to get some of that in there as well. You know, we're, we're waiting on the seating to officially come out. The ACC tournament's coming out. Uh, shout out to North Carolina for beating Duke, beating the pants off, excuse me, Duke this past Saturday. So, I mean, we were, we have our hopes to kind of get in the tournament. So, uh, God willing, we can get some other things. I know you just put up a UFC video. It's just something I'm not familiar with. I don't really watch that or really get into it. Uh, so, I mean, I appreciate you for taking the time to make that quick little snippet earlier uh, this week. So, you know, we're going to try to hit on everything. Obviously, you know, if we can get into some soccer, maybe have Ryan and Garrett come on the show if they're willing. You know, we can kind of have a, a, a joined little thing where we can talk about the little bit of soccer that we know and they can talk about some other sports that maybe they're not too confident in as well whatever, man, we're, we're open and we're open and honest to all things. And I just, I, I want you guys to know that, you know, we're going to try to give the best content, like Kyle said, whatever it takes. For sure. And with that said, you guys that'll wrap it up from here. Once again, we definitely t- thank you guys for tuning in and supporting the channel or the podcast as best as you guys can. And we will see you guys later this week. Later guys. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.